We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. As always, I look forward to it every single time to be able to get on here and talk with you. And uh, I tell you, my favorite segment is this first segment. I love to do my interviews. I love especially book reviews and book uh, author reviews. In fact, I, I do read, as you know, as many books as I can, uh, but sometimes I don't read all of it, right? All the book that I, all the books, all of the book that I'm talking to somebody about, but I love talking to authors. Authors are special. When you go through the trouble to write something, it's pretty cool. So, um, okay. Um, today, I want to uh, I want to tell you two major points. Today's wink, what you need to know, uh, what you need to know today is two major points. One is, this is how politics works. And the other is they always lie, but this is really bad. Okay, so those are the two things. First of all, remember, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see lots of good stuff there, lots of interesting things. Check it out. Uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up. Sub, it's a sub stack. You can sign up for free distribution, or you could be a subscriber there and pay a little bit. Uh, ProAmericaReport.com. But also, importantly, go over to uh, PhyllisLavoy.com and get signed up there so you get all of our stuff uh, that we're doing, including the daily email that goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast time. It's the daily wink, what you need to know, uh, what you get at 8 a.m. East Coast time, uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, what you get there is a couple of links, a couple of stories and one big point, what you need to know. And that's what you got to check out. So uh, that's uh, those are the places to go. All right. Welcome again. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I don't know if you watch late night TV. I never do. The only time I have the TV on in my house after 930 at night is uh, well, probably at all during the week. But never after nine, if I'm watching sports or something, I guess it could go into the eight or nine o'clock at night, maybe watch a little bit of college basketball or something, but almost never. But on the weekends, we will watch a movie, uh, put on a movie and could start at nine or nine thirty or something. So I never stay up in time. I never stay up for the shows. And Seth Meyers has a late night show. One of the comedy shows like uh, David Letterman had and Johnny Carson had and Jay Leno had one of those shows. I, I don't really even remember what channel he's on, but he's been on for a while now, uh, more than a decade, I think, for sure. But so uh, uh, earlier this week, he hosted uh, Joe Biden. And he hosted President Biden on the eve of his trip to Mexico. Um, and it was blatantly, in fact, uh, activists and political types said this was blatantly obvious. He wanted to go on on a Monday night before a Tuesday primary. And he wanted to say something about pursuing peace uh, and, and slowing down Israel in their efforts against uh, the uh, Hamas in Gaza. And so he said that because he knew he'd get lots of attention because in Michigan, there's a lot of really angry progressives and liberals and uh, Muslims who don't want the war to continue. And he was trying to curry favor because he's losing votes. Whatever. Here's what I wanted to talk about. Um, on Seth Meyers show, Joe Biden had this extraordinary exchange where he first of all said uh, Trump is almost as old as him. He's four years younger. And then he went on to say the following something like, and that guy doesn't even remember his wife's name. Now, 
at CPAC, Donald Trump gave a speech. And at one point he said, how great was uh, the first lady? My wife, she was the greatest first lady. And the crowd went wild. And Donald Trump looked down into the front row at the co-organizer of the event, whose name is Mercedes Schlapp. And he said, look at that, Mercedes. Pretty great, huh? And the, the, the media covered it breathlessly that he forgot his wife's name, Melania. Now, that's stupid, right? It was obvious what was going on. But OK, the media is stupid and they're lazy and they're dumb. And they initially report it that way. But as everybody came to realize, obviously, Melania wasn't there. So he couldn't have been referring to her. And he was pointing to Mercedes and even like lunatic crazed TDS victim Keith Oberman who hates Trump and always talks about him badly. Even he said on the X platform, look, we don't need to make up stuff that Trump says. This is not, this is not true. But Joe Biden goes on Seth Meyers show. And he says to Seth Meyers in what is now a completely debunked, a complete lie, completely debunked thing to say. He says, again, he remember his wife's name and Seth Meyers chuckles. Now here's what I want to say. What you need to know is one, Imagine, would Johnny Carson have done that? I mean, would Jay Leno have done it? Would even David Letterman have done it? No. Somehow Donald Trump has, has, has transformed these people into absolute lunatics. They have no semblance, no integrity, no seriousness. I mean, Seth Meyers should have said, oh, yeah. He could have said something like, yeah, yeah, well, maybe. But I mean, that, that, that one wasn't true or whatever. He knew. And here's the thing. Biden knew. So Biden just lies so blatantly. So boldly, so convincingly. And then Seth Meyers just takes it. And you say to yourself, God, all these people, pardon me, I shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain, but these people use the, these, their words as lies so often. And we almost, we're almost used to it now. But when I saw that, I thought, this guy is so blatantly dishonest. And, and, and then the thing that troubled me was Seth Meyers doesn't do anything. I mean, it's just the system is just breaking down. These people are just gone. They're gone. But here's my second point. That's what you need to know. But here's the second part of this, what you need to know. I, you can see what they're doing. And they're not doing it um, for no reason. And let me give you a lesson about politics. You know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, the great, great, iconic conservative leader, she was a lot of things. One thing she was really good at was strategizing. She understood the strategies and she understood how politics worked. And she particularly, excuse me, understood how candidates operate, how campaigns and candidates operate. Now, she used to say it was because she um, was a candidate herself. She ran twice for Congress, one when she was a very young woman, I think maybe 30, um, could have been a few uh, years uh, over 30. Um, And then she ran again, I don't know, 15 years later. Um, uh, I have to do the math on that. Um, She may have been even younger. She may have been in her late 20s. But be that as it may, she ran twice for Congress, serious races with, uh, you know, lots of effort, lots of campaigning, lots of communicating, lots of fundraising and mailers and all that kind of stuff. And so you learn how it works. And one thing you learn is if you have an obvious weakness, one way to neutralize the weakness is to make sure that the other person is perceived as having the same weakness. So, for example, if you as a politician had ethics complaints against you for mismanaging your money in a campaign, you want to file a complaint against the other guy. And when people are saying, oh, you have ethics complaints against you, you say, yeah, we both we both have that. You know, we both have. And you try to neutralize the um, the offense by dragging the other person into the same 
the sort of area of problems. So when you see Joe Biden literally, literally losing steam day to day, losing mental acuity day to day, people watching it can see it. And, you know, it used to be you'd say, wow, man, uh, uh, George W. Bush, his hair went gray uh, from the first time he was president six months later. Now he had 9-11 right away. But I mean, you get the point. Everybody, Obama looked older. Uh, Bill Clinton looked older. It's a it's a taxing job. But Joe Biden looks like he's deteriorating with his mental acuity every day. And so if you've got that problem, people wondering if you're uh, too old, wondering if the, you're going to try to take the edge off that by dragging Trump into it and, and saying Trump's got the same problem. And I have to tell you, it works as a political tactic. I'm not sure it'll work with Trump because I, I think Trump it looks too energetic and doesn't look like he's failing like it's true with Biden. But insofar as he's trying Biden to drag Trump that direction, that's the right move. That's the right move politically. So he went on that show with Seth Meyers looking to make that point. And he needed Seth Meyers to not contradict him. In other words, he needed to make the lie stick because that's what they need to do in terms of neutralizing the age and infirmity question. It's pretty it's pretty well done. I mean, if they, they're going to continue because they've got a huge problem. The polling shows, I think it's something like 70 percent of Democrats think that uh, Joe Biden isn't you know, able to finish a second term. That's brutal. Right. That's brutal. And they don't say the same numbers about Trump. He just doesn't get the same. Uh, he doesn't get the same pushback in terms of that factor. There's lots of other reasons that people will say they don't want Trump. But the point is, that's a very clever move. So uh, watching Seth Meyers makes you realize the narrative machine, which we've talked about so many times, big government, big media and big tech working together. They're going to work. They're going to make this work. And when they need a, a narrative to be engineered, to move ahead, they're going to find a path to get the narrative. They're going to find a way to get that narrative told and telling and telling it in such a way to accomplish what they want. And that was going on. That, 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 would, that was what was happening in the Seth Meyers interview. Um, you know, hat, hats off to them. They know what they're doing. Um, but uh, I, it does make me crazy uh, that the, how much they lie and uh, how terrible it is. And so, all right, uh, that's what you need to know today. Don't forget, sign up at uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Also sign up uh, for daily emails, the daily wink over at phyllisschlafly.com. In a few moments uh, later on in the show, and if you don't hear it, I hope you'll go find it on social media. I am going to talk a little bit about Peter Navarro, uh, who is on the verge, I think, of having to report to jail. Um, And uh, it is extraordinary uh, to me that we're living in this country where we're taking hostages. We're taking political hostages uh, as a country. It's happening right before our eyes. And what are we going to do about it? Doesn't look like much is going to happen to change that. So uh, not right now, Um, but there you have it. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So I saw on uh, Substack uh, my good friend Paul Ingrassia writing, and he was writing with a man whose name I've seen before. I think he over at American Greatness where he writes uh, and some other places. And his name is Josiah Lippincott. He himself, I discovered, has his own Substack, which I'll uh, uh, put up, put links to. I think it's, uh, correct me, I think it's at um, at Lippins, Lippincott. I guess I might have said Scott in there, Lippincott. Um, he, he's a former Marine 
Green. Uh, he's doing his doctoral degree over at Hillsdale, which means he's not only smart, but also smart uh, in a way that knows where to study and uh, writes uh, with uh, Ingrassia in this case, a piece called Draining the Pentagon, Pentagon Swamp, which I'll get to. So first of all, welcome, Josiah. How are you, sir? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Ed. I'm doing great. Well, let me ask you before I get to it about um, studying for your PhD and how you ended up at Hillsdale, which means it was a safe place to be able to think critically. Yeah. But you probably thought about going different places. You probably thought to yourself, I, I really how did you get from being a Marine, uh, which means the knuckles automatically drag and, you know, you look for a fight every every uh, Friday right. and Saturday night to doing your PhD. Give us a little bit of that path. Yeah. So I became aware of Hillsdale as a young man in high school, and I attended there for my undergrad degree. Okay. And then while in the Marine Corps, I had an idea for what I has turned into my doctoral dissertation, which I'm working on now. And Hillsdale was just the obvious place to go. It is by far the best college in America. And in a way, it's part of a very small number of places which actually teach. And and that's a good thing in the case of those who go to the college, but a problem for academia as a whole. But but absolutely, Hillsdale is a phenomenal place. What is, well, you, you whet my appetite. What is the idea sure. that you had for your thesis? Can you tell me or do you have to wait till you finish it? No, not at all. So when I was in the Marine Corps, I was deployed to Okinawa, Japan for seven months. Uh-huh. And while there, I got interested in America's war in the Pacific and FDR's policies in that region. And so by exploring the war in the Pacific theater and the questions of justice that were answered by the progressives and the internationalist liberals in going to war, um, I think it helps clarify our current foreign policy situation and the world order as a whole. So it's it's a really helpful dissertation because I think World War II is the, the the central and most important event of the last century, at least, and probably beyond. Um, so I have to refer you to have you read James Michener, um, not his books on uh, uh, his not the one on like Hawaii and, and but there's he writes an autobiograph, uh, a memoir. It's a shorter memoir. And it's um, it's really uh, the world is my home. A memoir, it's called. It's really good. And it, it talks oh, a lot about his talks about his time in uh, the Pacific Theater during World War Two. You should check it out. So anyway, that's my on air uh, tip as we're talking. Well, that's great. Well, that's exciting. Uh, uh, how about th- how about this draining the Pentagon swamp? Restoring pride in the military will require a massive effort. Um, you were in the military, you, you know, and, yes. and you can. So you served, you saw, uh, you know, I used to tell people elections uh, to have a good election. You have to be competent and people have to believe it. And I think right. if you're going to ask people to die for the country, you have to be able to be competent at, at, at being a killing machine, you know, military superiority. Right. But they have to believe in it. What happens when right. people don't believe in it? Well, you get the crisis we're having now where the percentage of new white recruits into the military has basically fallen in half in the last five years. And I think that's a product of the diversity, equity, inclusion, liberal push and the product of the covid mandates, as well as incompetence. Uh, I think young Americans, especially young white American men, see that the political regime that's in power now despises them and that it isn't serving their interests and is explicitly racial in the way that it attacks and criticizes these young people. You know, the, the, the rhetoric on the left has ramped up to really disturbing levels in the way it describes white Americans. And you can see this in the attempts to rip down these statues and to destroy American history. The, the reconciliation after the Civil War is being undone. And I think that shows the left has radicalized and is trying to reopen, in a way, a kind of American Civil War. It's, it's very disturbing. 
Uh, again, we're talking uh, with uh, Josiah Lippincott. He is a, uh, a writer and uh, a retired Marine. Or re- uh, what is it, sir? What do they say about Marines? Always a Marine. Yeah, not a former Marine, yeah, but a retired right. Marine. I got to get right. that right. But uh, uh, one of the things in here, and Gracia does this a lot, covers something people haven't been paying attention to. You know, this right. idea that there's uh, military, current military, and certainly recently retired at senior levels who are strategizing and missing the point in this yeah. sense. The, yes. Our system requires a commander in chief who's civilian not that you don't like the civilian commander in chief so much that like Millie has at least implied i don't presume to know the record enough or his mind but he implies he knows better than trump president trump therefore he's going to withhold or he's going to you know that's actually unconstitutional against but it's also how you get military dictatorships i mean and and so the question i have for you again you're now a uh, knee deep in in graduate studies and you've been a sure. i think you said a claremont fellow and and, and you've been around how do you argue for something that maybe too many Americans don't even understand anymore? Well, you you do it by just showing the connection between their interest and then the policies that are being executed against their interest. I want what I want to do is to make clear to ordinary Americans, to voters, to citizens, how the modern military is working against the things they hold dear. There's a view on the right that the military is fundamentally conservative, dedicated to defending the country. And what I want to show is there has been a hostile ideological takeover of the military bureaucracy. And it's a problem for the right. It's a problem for conservatives, and it's a problem for patriots. And so you're exactly right. I think after January 6th, we effectively had a coup in the country that a unelected bureaucrat in the Pentagon, Mark Milley, basically seized control of the nation's military forces. And that's not supposed to happen. We need constitutional government. We need law and order. And we get that through having the legitimacy of having free and fair elections and then having the ability for elected politicians, elected leaders to carry out their will that the voters have given to them. And what we saw throughout the Trump administration was that the the internal bureaucracy, the unelected mass in D.C. opposed him at every turn. They lied to him and they attempted to continue to carry out a foreign policy that Americans did not and have not ever voted for. So my project is to bring consent back into the equation for the American people when it comes to foreign policy. Uh, we, we're talking, I agree, well said, too. And uh, Josiah Lippincott, I'm glad you're writing uh, your Substack. The Substack, I'll put it up on social media, is at Lippincott, his last name. There's two T's on the end of that cot and uh, and two P's, actually. you got two P's, two I's, two T's. Anyway, Lippincott, there's a lot, of, a lot of twinning there. Uh, uh, so, right. Uh, all right, uh, here's the here's the hundred million gazillion dollar question, because yes. I'm living in a house with one of these 12 year old, you know, people. And I say that with generosity, will Taylor Swift get involved in this election and, and endorse Biden or something crazy or is, cause you wrote a piece on this and it's, it's good. It's very good. I think it's interesting to talk about uh, uh, all, all these different things, but you mostly you acknowledge in the first sentence, I think that she's a star. So right. is she a star, a, a tool, a, and, and she's going to fall for this? Or is she a star like Michael Jordan, who said Republicans buy sneakers? Well, the, the I would say Taylor Swift is not going to have an impact one way or the other on the election. I think she wasn't her endorsement in 2018 was not enough to get Marsha Blackburn out of office in Tennessee. I don't think she's going to swing the election. I will point out that, um, you know, it, it's Taylor Swift can't cure dementia. And she can't make inflation go away. And, you know, the Democrats, 
can do whatever they want to try and, and gin up artificial support. I, I'm saying right now, Biden has no energy behind him. And I don't think he ever did. And if we had a free and fair election on paper ballots, same day voting, if right. we just did that in America, mandatory voter ID, and you got to register to vote, you know, and re-register to vote every couple of years. If you had free and fair elections where you don't have dead people on the rolls, Donald J. Trump would win that election a hundred out of a hundred times in America. It does not matter. It is only when you begin loosening the rules and, and flooding the country with illegal immigrants and getting all of this dark money involved that the Democrats are able to win. And and that's where we can pin our hopes as conservatives that we have the the backing of the American citizenry. And it is only through extensive and extremely expensive ways that the Democrats are able to pull out any kind of yeah. electoral power in this country. Well, I think it's really great. That piece on uh, Taylor Swift, it's kind of like uh, Trump. Um, it's sort of li- kind of funny in a way, even though it makes a serious point that it doesn't, you don't get yeah. any benefit attacking someone who's popular with a lot of people in her music. Uh, his way of saying it, Trump said, uh, <laughs> he said, I like her music 25% less now, which doesn't tell you if he ever liked it. It just tells you that if he liked it a little, he likes it a little less. And uh, all right, Josiah, uh, Lippin, yeah, thank, uh, thank you for uh, uh, being on the program. We'll have you on again. And uh, very interesting. Thank you for writing with Ingracia, Carrie and Paul uh, uh, over the finish line. I'll, I'll tease him about that when I see him later in the week. And uh, we'll talk again soon. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We're checking in with our old friend, Terry Schilling. And Terry Schilling, among other things, he wears a number of hats over at the AmericanPrinciplesProject.org as their website. He's the head honcho. And, but there they have this big family pledge. And I didn't ask you off the air, Terry, if you want to, but you've taken this big family pledge to heart, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that's right, Ed. Uh, we got number seven coming. Uh, we're really any day now, but my wife's uh, scheduled to have the baby on the 28th of this month. So the big family's going to get just a little bit bigger this week. <laughs> there you go. Well, you sound you sound well rested, which is just a, a, a warm up for the next couple of months. But hey, Terry Schilling, president uh, over at American Principles Project and at Schilling 1776 on X. So this is the way I want to I was thinking of you is you by definition, American Principles Project, and especially you with your background and that you got the big family pledge there and your your own personal background as a guy thinking about family issues and all very specifically the the story that was reported in the UK on their hospital system is says that trans women's milk is as good for babies as female breast milk. When the headlines are like the onion used to be right. And uh, the Babylon B is the sane one now, but we're completely gone. Like this is insanity, right? But I mean, is it insanity where it's now so ridiculous? People are, are, are moving away from it even more and more confidently. Yeah, no. And, and let's be very clear at the outset, just because, uh, the you know, when you have experts saying things, so-called experts, uh, a lot of people tend to listen or it, it puts doubt in their head. There is zero doubt 
that whatever secretions are coming out of men is not as good as the milk that a mother provides for her baby. There are so many scientific evi- you know, pieces of evidence that show that the mother's milk is actually specifically designed for the baby. When the, mo- when the baby's sick, the mother's milk adjusts to give the baby the nutrients it needs. Like when the baby needs more iron, the mother craves more iron. There's a real, there's a symbiotic relationship between a mother and her baby that fathers will never be able to have. So, and, and by the way, these chemicals that they're putting in the men to make them secrete, it's all insane, Ed. And the thing is that we need to realize is that this is narcissism. The entire transgender movement is a narcissistic movement that tries to force all of us to worship these men who are claiming to be women, right? And that is, that is the th- most fundamental thing you need to understand about the transgender movement is that it is a movement full of narcissists built on narcissism. It is about you and you and not anyone else. And, and that is why you're seeing it creep up. This is, this is one area where America and the world is moving more towards narcissism. It's just one small, but it's an opening because people are becoming more and more self uh, obsessed and narcissistic. And we need to get back to focusing on the next generation, which is protecting our children and making sure that they're, that they're smart and just not uh, narcissists themselves. We're talking with Terry Schilling again. Uh, he's the president over at the American Principles Project, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. But Terry, let's go back about 10 years. If you said something about, uh, let's try to get this right, uh, on race or on uh, sexual preference, you could count on being sent to counseling in your company or on many, many, almost everyone, except maybe your alma mater, Franciscan might not, and Hillsdale might not, <laughs> but every other one would throw you in a Title IX. You'd have a Title IX uh, uh, charge and you'd be fighting this. And we get all the way to today and it feels like for a couple of years if you said something about the guy that's swimming as a woman leah thomas and you said this is wrong whatever you'd get counseling now it feels like you can say that and you can say it on a few in a few areas transgender you can have the position that this is insanity but it's almost like the left has moved it you you still can't get away with it uh too much like try saying that um homosexual marriage is not, you know, not a real marriage. You're still going to get dinged for that one. I mean, I think. And my question is, how much are we suffering from self-censorship? Because I know a lot of what you guys do, again, at American Principles Project, is give people the, the confidence of the truth and the arguments to say what they believe. But a lot of us don't even have the time or whatever, and they just kind of, it feels like we're in a, an epidemic of self-censorship. No, but we definitely are in an epidemic of self-censorship, and it's obvious. Right. When you can't when you when people aren't calling, you know, I, I had a tweet that kind of went semi viral today uh, <laughs> on X and it was saying that Rachel Levine is a mentally ill man that's in a position of power in our government. This isn't controversial. It's. It's only controversial to the extent that you allow it to be controversial. We need to stop self-sensing ourselves because it leads to what we're talking about today, which is men having a right to breastfeed children, right? The child is the person that needs the nutrients. The child is the object of affection here. And what this whole thing is about is it's, it's, it's a movement that will run away with, with, everything and it won't stop until we stop it right it started with no fault divorce and then it went to you know birth control and then it went to abortion and now it's with gay marriage and now it's with the trans stuff we have to put an end to this and the good news is is that these people think that they can't ever lose power 
right? The, the only reason you would push men lactating and feeding that whatever secretion it is uh, to babies, innocent human babies that just need to be, you know, have sustenance in them, uh, you know, they're overreaching. And now you're look. Uh, several years ago, we thought the bathroom bill debate was over. Well, guess what? Now everything that we predicted about assaults and deaths in, in bathrooms is coming to fruition. Uh, and so those are back. We have to check these guys and we have to draw a line in the sand and say no more. Uh, again, we're talking with Terry Schilling, the president of the uh, of the American American Principles Project, uh, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. You can do it, but can uh, let's say you're a teacher in a school district, and the school districts are dominated by the unions. Can you really say it? I mean, you know, uh, uh, three or four a year will become heroes of of normal and conservative people, but the rest of them look around and say, "I'm not going to be made a hero. I'm just going to have I'm going to suffer at the hands of my principal." I, I guess my I, I, I share your optimism that we have to do it, but I practically don't know if we've gotten to the point where uh, uh, the people around us can. Well, listen, follow me on X, right? Shilling 1776. Follow me. I'm trying to lead by example. We need to stop being afraid of these people. It, it, look, let them throw you in jail. Let them punish you. Let them do whatever they're going to do for saying that men are men and women are women. And this is all crazy. Let them do that. We have to have people that are willing to sacrifice for the next generation. I'm not, you know, we, we need to be, we need to figure out and go back to our roots of civil disobedience, right? We used to be great at this. This is what our, our country was founded on. We started our with a tea party, right? A huge right. protest where we threw all the tea in the sea. And now people aren't even willing to say that gay marriage isn't marriage and that it doesn't serve any purpose besides to serve the needs and will and wishes of adults. We, we're teaching kids about gay sex in school now because of gay marriage, right? We right. have to stop being so afraid and in such a defensive position. We need to speak the the truth boldly, and you'll start to see a lot more things fall into place once they realize that we're no longer afraid of them. Fear is how they control us, and we need to stop being afraid. Terry Schilling is our guest, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. You check it out. He's a president there. Your big family project, I, I was teasing you about it, but we've seen other nations. Hungary is an example that's talked a lot about it, got some attention. H- how's that going? How How is the, I, I saw, I think Charlie Kirk or someone gave a talk, gave a speech and said, have a big family. And I thought, there you go. I mean, how is it going? I mean, and, and are you, are you uh, encouraged that people liking the idea will lead to policy changes? Well, it's going phenomenal. Ed. The Big Family Project has been a smashing success, and it's been through trial and error, right? When we first started the Big Family Movement, we were focused on getting, I think it was uh, 100,000 grassroots activists signed up and engaged in the process. Uh, but what that has actually turned into is a $30 million operation this cycle that's going to spend that $30 million in campaigns and elections to help get President Trump back into the White House and get pro-family advocates kids back in positions of power and unelecting a bunch of bums that are doing everything they can to corrupt the innocence of our children. Right. And and so it's been a huge success. We've been growing like crazy. We've had our campaign ads that are, uh, you know, exposing and making Democrats pay a price for their transgender extremism seen tens of millions of times. Right. There, there was no pushback to the left on this stuff in the political arena and they were running roughshod. Well, once they started to realize, oh, my gosh, 
people are going to run campaign ads against me if I'm bad on this. Then you saw 24 states. We're up to 24 states that have protected girls sports. 22 states now are protecting kids from these transgender surgical procedures and hormone treatments. Right. But the, I think we the big thing we, we really have disproven is that politics is downstream of culture. Right. And in so many ways, politics is upstream of culture. The law is a teacher. When you change the law, you change society. And yeah. it's a way for us to introduce new ideas and arguments. You know, when Donald Trump says something as a politician, everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Right. Everyone's talking about their breakfast club in the morning, the Rotary Club, the, at their church meetings. And so we've really made transgenderism a political liability for both Democrats and Republicans. And so I I would say it's been a smashing success. There you go, Terry Schilling. I'm on a heartbreak. I got to go. With Terry Schilling, I'll put all the links up. Uh, good luck with that baby. We'll be praying for number seven incoming in the Schilling family. Uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast delivering a conservative pro-family perspective since 1983. As an author, speaker, and the founder of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Mrs. Schlafly spent an astounding 70 years in public service, protecting and defending the Constitution, the unborn, and America's sovereignty. Following that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When you're a child, your parents will try to guard what you hear because some words can be harmful to a child. However, as you grow and mature, your parents don't have to do that anymore because you become an adult who can process the world in a reasoned way. This is not the case for leftist college students. Like small children, they lobby professors and administrators to control the language around them like overbearing parents to protect their feelings. This is to be expected in the age of the postmodernist and neo-Marxist takeover of American higher learning. At the University of Las Vegas, the Environmental Law Society had to apologize for using the word picnic. Apparently, the word picnic has racist underpinnings connected to lynchings. A basic etymology search shows that picnic comes from the French pique-nique, which is a potluck social gathering and doesn't seem to be racist. Leftist ideology leads to insanity in what words are and are not allowed to be. In 2020, the University of Michigan released a list of inappropriate and offensive words that should be avoided. One would expect it to be a list of slurs. Instead, included on the list were brown bag and blacklist, brainstorm, chief, step, and white paper. Students and parents either take out loans or work very hard to pay tens of thousands of dollars for tuition. And this is the quality of education they get? In the world of leftist cultural domination, we are too often treated like children under overbearing mother figures in the form of HR departments and university administrators. We're told what we can and cannot say with no rhyme or reason. And... As students graduate from these supposed higher learning institutions, we can only wonder what the workforce will look like filled with adult-sized children. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, It is, um, I tell you, I don't know whether to be sad or angry about this next story and this next topic. Um, It's insane. It's insane that this is happening in America. Peter Navarro, who served for the entire Trump term in the White House, he was one of his senior advisors on trade, on manufacturing. He was a Democrat his whole life. He ran for mayor of, I think, San Diego. I think he ran for mayor of San Diego, maybe ran for Congress once. A Democrat, um, a pro-jobs Democrat. And sort of about 24, 23 years ago, he realized that um, everybody was caving to the uh, Chinese and he wrote uh, about that. Um, he, he wrote a book about it. He did a documentary about it. He was just a voice that was arguing about, hey, this is a disaster uh, for the American people and uh, and what's happening to jo- uh, to our jobs. And he became really famous for it. His book was called Death by China, Death by China, written with um uh, Greg Autry. Uh, and uh, and so he's a professor too. Uh, Peter Navarro, a longtime professor, 25, 30 years. I think he went to Harvard for his PhD. He's really kind of a genius character. So he serves all that time with Trump and after and he had ideas on what could be done after uh, the election in 2020. He he saw evidence that made him think that there was questions about the election. He thought there was ways that it could be delayed to try to figure it out. I don't think he ever thought of himself as an insurrectionist. He was never convicted of insurrection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he was uh, they attempted to call him before the January select uh, the January 6th select committee that Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi engineered. It was uh, a seven. 18-month committee. It spent $19 million, so more than a million dollars a month. They destroyed their own records. They lied about what happened. They were not uh, out uh, open about anything, and they were really dis- uh, they were um, brainwashing the American people. They, they interviews after the fact uh, that they were interviewing people and they said, oh, yeah, I, I forget if it was um, I don't think it was Adam Schiff, but it was one of the folks like him that said, yeah, you know, oh, Adam, no, it was Adam Kinzinger. He said, yeah, you know, we we hired an ABC producer, a TV producer, because we wanted to uh, you know get the narrative going in our direction. We wanted people to believe what we were saying. So Navarro, Peter Navarro gets called before this committee. It's an obvious witch hunt. And he says, no, no, I, I'm not I'm not reporting. Because why? Because I, I had executive privilege. I was working for the president and president. I'm not reporting. And they rejected that. And he said, no, he didn't care. Anyway, they, they, they ratched him, uh, notched him up for um, contempt of Congress. And then they referred it to Biden's DOJ who prosecuted it. And so in the in Washington, D.C., there's no chance you're getting a fair, a fair trial. There's no chance that the jury. Because why? Not because the people of D.C. are bad. The people of D.C. are fine. But the people of D.C. have been exposed to $19 million of Liz Cheney, Nancy Pelosi brainwashing and a lot more. And the lies they told about it weren't confronted by the press. The press did not stop and say, what are you talking about? That didn't happen like that. Wait, wait a second. Let, let, wait, we got to ask some questions. We don't understand. There was a pipe bomb, two pipe bombs, but nothing happened. You never caught anybody. Wait, wait, wait a second. There was a gallows somebody built and we can't find the gallows guy. Wait, what if they went there? Was, there was uh, undercover uh, cops and feds involved. They didn't do any of that. They just look for victims. They look, I mean, look for people to make into victims to persecute, persecute and prosecute lawfare. And in this case, jail time. 
And so they got a four month jail sentence and they're about to take he's appealed it, but to the court of appeals, but it won't go well. The D.C. Court of Appeals is rotten and they're about to send the guy to jail, federal jail for four months because he wouldn't talk to Congress because he thought he had privilege, uh, privilege protection. This is this is very clearly this is persecution of Trump supporters. There's nothing he said or did that had a, that could be construed as having a role in things. But even if he did, there's lots of ways other than sending him to jail. And Eric Holder, by the way, was held in contempt of Congress. He was never prosecuted. I mean, the idea of the selective prosecution of supporters of Trump and Trump himself I don't know, four years ago, I would have said, oh, it's crazy. You're not going to go that far. They've gone that far and more. They've gone that far and more. And they're not stopping. They're not shamed into stopping. They're not legally pressed by their own, uh, uh, the, by the, the so-called justice system. Nobody's pressing them to stop the persecution. So you think they're going to stop? No, they're not going to stop. There's no way they're going to stop. They're going to keep going. This, Peter Navarro is now, a, a hostage. He's a political hostage to this crazy, crazy Biden administration and this movement of people that are, are and, and they're taking away from us our great American legal system that had checks and balances. When people went too far, there was a way to stop the madness. They're taking that away from us. Peter Navarro shouldn't go to jail for a day, not for a minute. And they're going to plow right ahead and do it. And we should be, we shouldn't be ashamed because we didn't do it, but we should be worried. We should be devastated. Devastated is right. We should be devastated. This is gutting our legal system. I told you uh, uh, too many times, the crown jewel of America is not jewels. It's not a crown and jewels. It's not a ring with jewels. It's not a scepter with jewels. It's not a, uh, a, uh, a cloak with jewels on it. That's London. That's England. In America, the crown jewel is our constitution and the rule of law coupled with our founding values. Now, those values were Christian, Judeo-Christian, you can call it, but really Christian. People had honor, integrity, seriousness. There was a difference between kids and adults. It was all about, it was about truth and see, it, it was making sure our system had a, had a, everyone had a fair chance. That was America. Our crown jewel is the constitution, the rule of law and our founding values. And these people Joe Biden and his people are just destroying it in front of us. And most people think the only way to go forward is to do the same thing when the other side has power and go after John Brennan and Clapper and everybody for lying. Go again, go after uh, the people who have done the destructive things like Fannie Willis and others. I say we should have a system that stops this madness in its tracks and keeps Peter Navarro from becoming a hostage, a political hostage, and lets him be free. All right, that's all I've got. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.